Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, July 23rd, and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Silly. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike preaching from Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, a message titled, How God Raises Children. The source I looked up on the population of the U.S. currently shows that there are some 74 million kids under the age of 18. Now, if you're not sure how to grasp that huge number, let me put it in perspective. That's about the uh, number of the total U.S. population in the year 1900. And so we have, we have had this population explosion, not just uh, in our country, but all th- across the world in this recent century. And um, today there are so many kids in the war, in this in our country, that if they were to decide to get together, they could probably take over. Um, you know, they're quicker and they're better on the computer than us, uh, so they could do it. Uh, they probably won't, but uh, one day they are going to take over, and so they need to be raised, and we need to be sure that they're raised in God's principles. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And if you're here this morning, you say, well, I don't, I'm not raising children. Uh, well, the principles here are for all of us who know the Lord. If we are God's child, he's raising us. And you are still growing. And you are still learning. And you're still becoming who he wants you to be. And these principles apply to you as well, and but particularly to those who are raising children in their home. So parents, we're going to be talking to you and giving you some information, hopefully, that from God's Word that will be a help to you. Uh, I well remember the days in which we had kids in our home and the burden that that was and how overwhelming that was at times. I want to say to you parents this morning that children are God's idea. Family's God's idea. He knows what, he knows what you are up against and He will help you if you will follow his guidelines. And it's actually he that will give the power and the grace and the knowledge and the information, the grace, and he will raise children. If children are raised and they become who they need to be, it's because God has done it, not us. We're just his instruments. And so in that trust, we we look at God's word today to See the principles that he gives us here. And God, the the world's premier child expert, tells us how to raise children. And the first way that the scripture shows us that God raises children is in obedience. Or in other words, in an atmosphere of obedience. Look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of 
the Lord. So how does the Lord raise children? The first way we see here is that he raises them in an atmosphere of obedience. Our homes are to be places and our churches are to be places uh, in which obedience is fostered and obedience is cultivated. This is how God raises children to become the people that they need to be. So kids, those of you that are here this morning, there are kids here, there we go. And God is saying to you in this verse, kids, he's, this is one of the rare verses in the Bible in which he speaks to kids directly. And so if God were to be in a, in a room with you by yourself, here's what he would say. He would say, children, obey your parents, for this is right. He wants you to obey. Why? Because that's how you will grow. And that's how you'll grow in the best possible way. And, and so there are benefits to listening to the Lord and following him and obeying our parents. Now, while we're talking about obedience here at point number one, I want to point out to you several facts about obedience that comes out of the scripture here. And the first comes from the word obey. The word obey teaches us that obeying is actually listening to our parents and doing what they tell us to do. The word obey means to listen and then to do what that person is saying. So kids, obeying is not listening to your parents and then go off and do what you want to do and hoping they'll forget all about it. Obeying is not uh, listening to your parents and then uh, going and doing part of what they said and leaving out the rest. Obey, obeying is doing exactly what they have said when they say to do that. Now, I know that can be hard, and sometimes we don't think it's right, but God says here it is always right to obey your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, notice, kids, that God does not say your parents are always right. All right? Now, I'm a parent, and I'll admit that I was not always right whenever I was raising my kids. There were times in which I got tired and I was frustrated and I didn't do what was right. Kids, sometimes your parents will be that way. But God says it's always right to listen to them and to obey them. Let God deal with your parents. If they're not right, he'll deal with them. But what's right is you always obey God. Okay, because that's what obedience is. You obey your parents. But another fact of obedience that comes out of this is that uh, obeying your parents is the same thing as obeying God. Look at there again in verse 1. It says, obey your parents in the Lord. That means when you obey your parents, you are also doing something for the Lord as well. God is the parent of all parents. And that's why kids... You need to listen to your parents and to do what they say. God's working through them. And God is speaking to you through them. And if they're not right, if they kind of have a bad day and they do something that's not right, well, here's what you do. You pray and ask God to straighten it out because he's the parent of all parents. And they have to listen as well. They have to obey. And sometimes... As a family, we all have to let each other grow and get past our mistakes and forgive one another. And in that culture of obedience, 
God is growing us into who we need to be. And so obedience is doing what our parents tell us to do, when they tell us to do it. And as we're doing that, we're actually obeying God. But then notice, kids, here's something that's real neat about obedience. These verses also teach us that obedience comes with obedience prizes. There are some good things that happen in your life when you obey. Look at verse 3. There are two of them listed here. The first is that it may be well with you, and the second is that you may live long on the earth. Now, those are great obedience prizes that God promises to children. What do, what do those mean? What are those prizes? Well, the first one means that you'll become the very best person that you can be. It will be well with you. You'll be a well-rounded individual as you grow up. God blesses obedience, and he gives that gift to those who obey. And for those of us who are grown-up kids, we need to remember that God's still growing us up. And what our parents taught us, we still need to remember. We still need to apply. We still need to put that in practice because God is blessing our life through that to help us to be the very best person that we can be. But then the second gift is a great gift as well, and that is that you'll live long on the earth. Now, this doesn't mean that you'll live to be 100, but it means you'll live in such a way that you'll have a 100-year-old impact. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about there. Not everyone lives a long life. God is not saying here that only the kids who obeyed their parents when they should have, should have, that they're the ones who get into adulthood and they're the ones who make it all the way to the end. That's not what he's saying. Because we know enough, there's enough situations where there have been some good people and some good kids who have had cancer or they've had other illness. And sadly, they have not lived a long life. They've not had many birthdays. But what God is saying in this is that the life that you do have, because God does determine all our days. God knows exactly how many years we're going to be alive. He's numbered those. He knows that, and it's all different for every one of us. And even if we have a short amount of days allotted for us, we can do a lot in those days. We can have a hundred-year-old impact. An example of this is a kid I knew years ago by the name of Dakota Hawkins. Dakota was a young man who came down with cancer. And he was a pretty good kid, but here's what happened when he got cancer. And it was very serious cancer. They knew that it was one that was likely uh, to take his life, to end his life. But when he found out that he had this kind of cancer, he got closer to his parents and he got closer to the Lord. And he began to do things at that point to try to bless his parents and bless others and serve the Lord even more than what he was doing before. He would encourage everybody else as they were trying to encourage him as he was going through cancer. He came up with this catchphrase, keep the faith. And he would share that with everybody that he came into contact with during the time he had cancer treatments. And he encouraged so many people and made such an impact that they actually established a, a ministry called KTF, Keep the Faith Ministry, that came out of his experience in dealing with cancer. And even though Dakota did not live many years compared to what other people lived, 
he had a great impact in the time that he was here because he was an obedient young man. And today, while he's in heaven right now, there is still a ministry in central Arkansas called Keep the Faith Foundation that is blessing people who have cancer. And that came out of a young man, a kid, who decided to obey the Lord and to make the very best out of his life. That's a blessing that God brings through our lives as we obey him. He gives us a great impact. So God raises children, number one, in an atmosphere of obedience. And then number two, he raises children with promises. Look again at verse two. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So God raises children with promises. God is a God of promises. And promises bless our life. Promises give us certainty. They instill hope in us. There's great power in a promise. And kids, God has made you a promise. We've read about it right here. If you obey your parents and obey the Lord, God will bless your life. It's a promise. And parents, you need to follow this example. I think this is an example for all of us as parents to raise our children with promises. We need to give and we need to keep promises in our families. Because the power of a promise imparts that certainty and that assurance and it steals that hope that we all need. It gives us something to look forward to. It gives us something to live for. And so as we as parents give promises to our kids like God has, then we are instilling this same kind of certainty and this same kind of hope. The Bible shows us that God is a God of promises. One Bible study source that I looked up records that there are 5,000 promises of God in the Bible. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that all these promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. You know what that means? That means God always follows through his, with his promises. There's never a promise that he comes to the end of it and he says, oh yeah, I, I did say that. I said yes, I was going to do this, but my yes is now no. No, we can't do that. All of God's promises are always yes. He never changes or goes back on those promises. And when it's all said and done, we look back on it and we say, Amen, God, you are always faithful to every one of your promises. All his promises are yes and amen. That's the kind of God he is. And parents, that's the kind of parent that you need to be. And grandparents need to be. As we make promises to our kids and our family, if we say we're going to show up, we need to show up. And we need to show up on time. If we say we're going to be at this uh, school event or this sporting event or this family event, we need to show up. We need to show them there's something behind our promise. That they care enough, that we care enough about them that we'll set aside our schedule and we'll set aside our needs and our desires and we'll show up for them. That's what we're communicating through a promise. And one of the scourges of our society today are absentee parents. 
parents who are not showing up physically, parents who are not showing up emotionally, and parents who are not showing up spiritually. We need to show up for our kids with a promise, with a guarantee, with an assurance that instills hope in them that we're with them, God's with them. and They can be blessed. So God raises children in obedience. God raises children with promises. And then the third point here is that God raises children by discipline. God raises children by discipline. Verse 4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This means from the word training that's listed here that God, this word means discipline, it means correction, that God will use correction and discipline in our life to get our attention and get us doing the right thing. Now I know we all, this is not pleasant for all of us, but it's necessary. God will do what's necessary as a loving parent to get our attention and to apply correction and punishment if that's necessary to get us to do what is right. I like what another translation said of, of this verse 4. It says in this word, in these words, fathers do not overcorrect your children or make it difficult for them to obey the commandment. Bring them up with Christian teaching and Christian discipline. And this is one of the hardest aspects of parenting. It's to strike that balance between rules and relationship. To be the loving, supportive parents, but yet to be the one who will draw that line and say, no, we're not going to cross that line. If you do, there's going to be consequences. And God is in love with us enough and he has invested enough in our future to draw that line if that line has to be drawn and to bring that discipline into our lives. As I survey the scriptures, I find that there are actually three tools that he gives parents by way of discipline. It is the, a rebuke, the rod, and revelation. That is scripture. Now parents, I want to spend some time talking through each one of these because... Uh, the, these are so important for parenting, and some of these uh, are being criticized today as uh, the very wrong way to raise children. But we decide we're not going to listen to the world, we're going to listen to God and what he says in his word. He knows how to raise children, and he knows how to raise them right. But the first form of discipline that you find in the scripture is saying a word of correction, a rebuke. Proverbs 29:15 says, "The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame." So a parent can give a, a friendly word of rebuke or a firm rebuke, depending upon the situation. They can pull up and say, "Are you sure you need to be doing that?" You know, friendly rebuke. But then sometimes it's you need to stop doing that and you need to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so there's words. There is counsel. There is advice that we give that the scripture talks about. And that's, that should be where we start. But then the scripture moves on and it talks about the rod. Proverbs 13, 24. 
Proverbs 23, verses 13 through 14, and chapter 29, verse 15, uh, says this, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. Now, I know this is controversial. There are people out in the world today that are saying that to spank a child is child abuse. But God's word says something different. And parents, I know you're not hearing this in a lot of different places. We need to make sure we're still saying this in God's house from God's word. God's word's clear that taking an instrument, and there can be various instruments. It can be a belt, a wooden spoon, a paddle, or a switch. I'm familiar with all of them. Some more than I want to be. But taking an instrument, the Bible calls it a rod, a small instrument that does not inflict abuse, but makes it clear to the child by inflicting a little bit of knowledge, the board of education to the seat of knowledge, <laughs> and make a point with them that, hey, something's wrong here. You need to change course. The scripture says your child is on their way. Without Christ, without Christ, that child is on their way to hell. And it's your job to get in between them and that terrible destination. It's your job to get in between them and get their attention, between them and sin. And one of the first ways that you preach the gospel to them, saying that sin has consequences and sin's not good, is when you have a time of correction, corporal punishment. This is what God's saying. And it's not child abuse. I would just make this point before I give you a personal story. Back in uh, the previous generation, many psychologists uh, wrote a lot about how spanking is not right. And Dr. Spock, we've all heard of Dr. Spock. He was one of those who led the charge. And before he ended his uh, career, he changed his position on that. I don't know if you're aware of that. I was not aware of that until I looked it up. But here's what he wrote at the end of his life. He said, we have reared a generation of brats. Parents aren't firm enough with their children for fear of losing their love or incurring their resentment. This is a cruel deprivation that we professionals have imposed on mothers and fathers. Of course, we did it with the best of intentions, but he said we didn't realize it until it was too late. Mom, Dad, God says you need to love your child enough to get their attention and give them the punishment that's required to change their course of action. And you're doing that to try to change their heart. That's, the, that's really the, the goal. And sometimes, as a child, you need more than just words. I can testify to that. I grew up trying to be a pretty good child. My dad made it clear how we were to obey and what was going to happen if we didn't. And he was good to follow through. There are negative promises and there are positive promises. And, and he, he was very clear on the negative promises, so what was going to happen, the conse consequences that come. And so I tried to be pretty good, but I had a depraved heart. I had a sinful heart. And there were times where I just wanted to do my own thing. 
And I just want to tell, tell you real quick, and all the kids usually get a kick about this story whenever I tell this at, at different congregations, about the, the worst spanking I've ever gotten in my life. Yeah, the pastor's gotten a spanking. I've gotten many spankings before. But the worst spanking in my life was when um, we were older elementary kids and we went to church with my dad, who was pastor at the church, and he had some extra work to do. And so uh, it was a Saturday and we went to church with him because he had some work to do in the office. And normally we were at church, we were in our nice church clothes, you know, trying to keep them clean and nice. Uh, we were told we were not supposed to mess those clothes up. And so today was different. Today we were at church on a Saturday. And we were in our play clothes. And, and you got to understand the church that I grew up in at that time, it was not here. We were born here in Texarkana. We moved to Garland, Texas for eight years, and that's where my dad pastored. Then we came back here. But we were at Garland, Texas at Northside Baptist Church. And that church was the coolest church in the sense that they had a wooden bridge that crossed a creek to get in the front door of the church building. I'm not making this up. You actually walked across this suspension bridge, this wooden bridge, from the parking lot, and it went right to the front doors of the church, just like this right here. And, and so every Sunday we would go to church in our nice church clothes, and we would look down at that creek as we walked across that bridge, and we thought the neatest thing would be able to go down in that creek and get a closer look. And, and so finally our opportunity came. It was a Saturday. And we had our play clothes on. But Daddy gave us strict instructions. He said, now you can go outside and play while, I, while I'm inside working. But do not wander off. That was the exact word. Do not wander off. And we knew what that meant. That meant if you wandered off, there would be consequences. But there was the creek to explore. And so we got down the creek, and my oldest brother Paul was leading the pack, and there's, there's uh, my other brother Mark. Uh, was with us and our two friends were there and so we set out on our great exploration and here's what we said we knew we couldn't wander off but the creek would go down a little ways and then it made a turn and we said well we're going to go down that turn we're going to see what's around that bend and then we'll come back no harm no foul so guess what we saw kids when we went to that first turn and we looked around it we saw another turn and so we had to go down to that turn and we're going to make a turn, we're going to look and see, and then we're going to come back. Well, guess what we saw at that other turn? Another turn. And another turn. And another turn. And before we knew it, we were so far away, we didn't know where we were. Now, let the record show that I am the first one in the group who spoke up and said, we need to go back. We are not doing what's right. I am the one who spoke up. All right? But they didn't listen. And I didn't want to take, go back all by myself. That creek was slippery. It had water in it. It was kind of smelly. We had slipped. We had fallen. We were dirty. I didn't want to go back the way I came. And so I kept going with them a little bit longer until I couldn't stand it. And then finally I said, y'all can keep going if you want to. I'm going back. And so I went up that creek bank. And it was a pretty big ditch. And I went up that creek bank. And I'll never forget the first thing I saw. I was looking for the church building. I thought, if I can just see the church building, I'll be okay. And I'll get back, and I'll be safe. <laughs> the first thing I saw when I cleared that creek bank was my dad's car coming around the corner of the road, going about 50 miles per hour. 
He was looking for us. We've been gone too long. And his first words to me was, where are your brothers? I said, they're down there. He said, get in the car. And then he got them out, and he took us home, and we knew it was not going to be good. You know, when, when you're going home and your dad is not braking for all the speed bumps on the road, and you're hitting them going just as fast as you go down the highway, and you're... you're Head's hitting the top of the car as you're bouncing. You know it's not going to be good when you get home. And it wasn't. It was the worst banking of my life. But here's my point. The kids and parents. That's the last time I ever wandered off. It worked. You see, we, we, we heard the words. And we knew that Daddy meant business. He had showed us before that he meant business. There was something in our heart that caused us to stray. And it took the Lord's punishment that he talks about in the scripture to get my attention. And we never, ever did that again. And today the Lord still brings me back to that moment. And he helps me remember how my heart will stray from him if I'm not careful. And how there are consequences to sin. When my kids don't get it right, I remember back when I didn't get it right. And I try to temper that. But God uses scriptural discipline to work godly results. Our time's about gone, but I want to mention this real quick. Because the controversy today is that corporal punishment is not right. But it is right, it is scriptural, but it must be done in the right way. Here's some good counsel I came across years ago and I'd offer to you. How should corporal punishment be offered? It should be done in love, not anger. It should include, not include, it should not include verbal abuse, intimidation, or physical abuse. It should be administered to the rear end of the child, never the face. It should be administered with a neutral object in the hand. It should include loving communication from the parent. Tell him specifically what he has done or failed to do. Secure acknowledgement from the child of what he has done. Remind him that the reason he is being spanked is not because you are angry, but because you want to restore him to the place of blessing with God. After you have spanked, take the child up in your arms, telling him that you love him and, and you hope the child will obey next time. This punishment should be age appropriate. There comes a time in which it's not appropriate to spank older children. And it should be done in front of should not be done in front of strangers or the child's friends. It should only be done when it's appropriate. If you'd like a copy of these words of advice, I'll be glad to, to make copies and give that to you. But I think that's good godly advice. And God's scripture is clear. Parents, you must not lay aside God's clear teaching. But with his wisdom, with his love, apply it in appropriate ways. And then finally, there's revelation. Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no revelation or no vision from God, no scripture, the people cast off restraint. So all discipline is to get us to the truth of God in our child's heart that will lead them to repentance. And so we need to connect the discipline with truth from God's word. 
with all of our children, but especially our older children, we need to make that connection so that they get it and they know that they are responsible for their own actions before God who one day will hold them accountable. This is how God raises children. And God is committed to bringing children to himself. I'll close with this. I love the way this pastor put it. He said the goal is Jesus. If you are a parent, your child is a trust given to you by God to raise for him. Success is not measured solely or even primarily by your child's achievements. It is measured by your child's heart for God and obedience to him. The goal is Jesus. God is raising children. God is giving parents what they need in order to raise those children. And we'll make But as we follow the clear teaching of God's word and offer and practice forgiveness and offer promises and stick to them and ask for the Lord's blessing, he will bless and he indeed will raise our children. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.